Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their great hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 120. Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by cheesecake that my wife picked up from the little truck down the road and bang pop. Uh, both of those combined make a great lunch <laughs> after a morning of chasing gobbles. So, tell you what, I love being able to go out and like hike the hills, and it makes me feel like I'm exercising enough that I can eat whatever I want. That's not true. I'm probably going to get fat, but it's uh, in my mind, I think, hey, I hiked a couple miles today, so I should be able to eat just about anything. Guys, I want to thank you for coming back for another episode, and thank you to those of you who are concerned about my absence last week. Uh, everything's going okay, uh, for the most part. But was not able to line up a guest last week, and I thought, you know what, I'm just, I'm not going to try and force it. I'm not going to try and hunt people down. I had tried to contact a few folks, and it hadn't worked out, so decided just to take the week off and breathe. What's ironic about that is I got an email from a guy, a listener, last week, and he, it was just a really incredible, encouraging email. The guy talked about how um, he had been going through a real tough time, got really into turkey hunting, and got a little over the top about it, like some people do, uh, yours truly. Um, <laughs> got a little crazy, and at one point it was just driving him nuts. He was having a hard time getting on birds, and it's all he could think about. And he pulled off the side of the road, said a little prayer, and just asked God to kind of help him have a little bit of orientation in his life. And five minutes later, he was looking through Pandora, just looking for a hunting podcast, and he came across Shedding Light Hunting Stories. And told me about how that has helped him a lot and helped him, you know, understand some things about hunting, but also more so importantly is just kind of keeping things in perspective. And I tell you what, that's something that I've really tried to do this year. I have hunted probably more than what most people get to. Uh, I have Mondays off and I can hunt Saturdays, so I've hunted those quite a bit. And then uh, I've had probably about four or five times where I've gone during the week, but I've gone uh, super early, gotten out there about 5, 15, and hunted until about 8, 39, then I'll come into the office. And usually I beat everybody in here by 9 o'clock anyway. So <laughs> so I've been trying. I feel like this year, actually, I have done a lot better. Still hunting probably more than what a lot of folks get to just because of the flexibility of my job and schedule. But um, I feel like I've done a better job balancing that. And my wife, I've asked her, and she says, yes, I've, I've done better. So that's that's encouragement. That was part of the goal was to not go so nuts. Um, I have not got another turkey, but I have been on some really close encounters. Uh, hunted with my buddies last week, uh, Saturday, and was all over the farm and chasing gobbles, but wasn't able to get anything in. And then today, i got to tell you, was the best day of turkey hunting I've had all year as far as gobbles go. They were everywhere this morning we had four birds going off every which direction uh, we made a move after waiting about two hours trying to call this one bird in who was not coming into this field and i uh, actually saw him up on the ridge top once we set up but uh, it was too open to really make any more moves toward him and um you know we just didn't think we had the cover and so we just kind of sat down and tried to calm down to us and he wouldn't come but i uh, got some great footage and just had a great time and uh, that's about it. Season's coming to a close. Uh, this Saturday, I'm going to be up at my wife's um, uh, family's. Uh, her her grandfather passed away uh, two days ago, and um, <clears throat> so we're headed up there for kind of a weekend, uh, spending time with family. So I might slip out if my wife's okay with it. I'll just have to kind of read that as I go. But if I don't get anything else, I'll tell you what, I got one bird and plenty of great... Um, moments this year. Uh, Riley's video should be up later today, about the same time this podcast will drop. So if you want to go on YouTube, check out uh, the very first time I've ever been able to get a bird off the roost. Uh, it was a really educational experience and uh, was was really cool footage. So anyway, that's the stuff that we got going on. Uh, today's guest is Justin Mooney. And Justin is friends with John Montgomery. Now, John was on a few episodes ago and uh, met uh, John on the Go Wild app and had a great uh, episode with him talking about turkey hunting. And uh, Justin is, he's into turkeys, but he's more into deer and 3D archery. So we have a great conversation. Uh, We dive into 3D archery actually pretty deep and talk a lot about the ins and outs of that, uh, where the tournaments are, the difference between ASA and IBO. And uh, so if you're interested at all in... 3D shooting. I think there's some things to learn there from Justin. 
And then he tells a really, really good deer story, um, <laughs> talking about how, you know, sometimes whenever we think about hunting, we think of those good moments and we forget the bad stuff in between. And Justin remembers some of that bad stuff, and he brings us through uh, the season that led to a real nice 16-point buck that he was able to harvest. I think that you guys are going to enjoy this. I really thank you for coming back for another episode. Thank you for leaving reviews. Uh, we have a couple new ones. I'll get to those next week, and uh, thank you for that. I know some of you have been asking about stickers, so if you are interested, interested in a Shedding Light uh, Hunting Stories podcast sticker or a Shedding Light Outdoors sticker, please send me a message. Uh, just I just kind of want to feel the, the interest level. If there's several of you out there that want them, then I may uh, order some more, get them printed. I'm not going to charge a whole lot for them, uh, maybe just enough to kind of cover the shipping. And um, So let me know. Send me a, a private message or an email over to sheddinglightod at gmail.com. And last thing I'll say is I am looking for guests, always looking for guests uh, that want to come on and share their hunting stories. We're coming out of turkey season so we can get into some spring bear stories if you have any of those uh, maybe uh, duck stories uh, predator hunting or even get into the deer stories that are coming up elk you name it we can talk about it send me an email sheddinglightod.gmail.com and i'd love to hear from you guys we're going to get into it here is justin well joining me from dixon kentucky is justin mooney Justin, how are things going today? Things are going really well. I'm glad it's not raining. Yeah, I tell you what, we've had a little bit of that, and now we've got some real sunny days starting to warm up here in Ohio. So, yeah. what's uh, what's new down there with you guys? Oh, we're just wrapping up. Uh, we just got a, done with uh, turkey season, and kind of just kind of going into what I consider uh, the heart of my 3D season. I shoot a lot of competition archery. And uh, so that's probably my next big season. Uh, might fish every now and again, but not not a whole bunch. Yeah, no, that's cool. You got something to look forward to. I think for a lot of guys, if they don't get into that 3D, it, like the end of turkey season is almost depressing because you got several months between there and you know uh, deer season. So I've I've started doing a little bit of that, um, kind of dabbling in some different shoots things, and it's just that is a fun way. One, it keeps you kind of shooting throughout the summer. You know, it keeps you ready for the fall, but it's just fun. I just enjoy going to some different courses with buddies, and I've not really got into the competition side. But uh, now, do you do that? Do you kind of go competition wise, or is it just more just going out for fun? Well, I, I mean, obviously, it's it's all been fun. I've been shooting a bow since I was five, and um, I've been c competing or going to tournaments since I was thirteen. Um, oh, probably shooting national tournaments since I was about 16, 16 to 18 is when I actually started shooting a lot of national tournaments. Um, of course we didn't at that point, there wasn't a lot of the things they have now, like they have archery in schools now, um, and a lot of good youth programs. I know there's a lot of churches that, uh, are, are doing some of the archery programs as well. And, um, I know that it's it's definitely our sport is growing, um, but uh, at that point in my archery career, there there wasn't a whole lot of that, and um, yeah. just kind of got into it just because uh, there was a point in my life that I really didn't care nothing about hunting, but I've yeah. always shot my bows, so it's kind of been the thing that uh, has kind of kept me close to things. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, that's cool. I I and I I have to kind of share that i think growing up i don't remember any archery programs i remember going to like uh like a 4-h camp or whatever and just one day they'd have you out there shooting a bow but other than that it just wasn't as popular back then as it is now and it seems like now the local high school they have an archery program and uh you know it's that's it's a good thing i think it's even if people don't get into hunting just my wife she's not into hunting but they've had some lady shoots over at the, the local uh, indoor archery shop and she's enjoyed that like going over and just shooting there's something kind of fun just about that in and of itself yes uh, uh, that's that's agreed uh, um you know why that's kind of what kind of kept me around it and then uh i guess i was probably well i guess i was 12 going to be 13 um when i killed my uh first uh animal with a bow i guess you would say i finally got an, uh, enough poundage on my bow to to be able to shoot um uh to to actually uh, harvest one um you know humanely i guess you would say 
Um, but, um, yeah, uh, the first morning I went, dad put me in the stand and, uh, doe walked up in the spot that he told me I could shoot at. And so I shot her and, and made a, a excellent shot and I was all excited. And, um, about seven days later, uh, um, I would come home from school and dad was getting ready to go hunting. And I said, Hey, can I go? And he's always been one. If I was wanting to go, he would take me. So he stopped everything and we went and I had a, uh, my first buck with a bow was a, was a seven pointer, um, with about a 20 inch inside spread, which at the time, uh, was put me on cloud nine and (laughs) um, a monster definitely in my eyes at that point in my life. But so I've been kind of just kind of took off from there. Um, yeah. Were you like, as a, I'm trying to think like as a 12 year old, if, if I would shoot a doe and then shoot a buck like a week later, it, it, do you remember feeling like, Hey, this is pretty easy. I can do this. Or was it still, how was your, do you remember how you felt back then? <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of like this, you know, typically when you're telling stories, you typically only get the good side of it. You don't ever get all the bad part in between. See? Yeah. Uh, I'll have to say, so when I started hunting, I, I think I uh, harvested my first deer at around eight years old, uh, shot a, uh, a doe, um, and then shot a buck and i had that exact feeling that you're talking about this is easy there's nothing to it there's uh, there was always people hunting around the house uh, we had several acres dad had several friends and it seemed like there was a deer hanging up in the backyard every other day of hunting season it just seems like hmm. yeah. um, so it it wasn't like it wasn't unnormal, you know, it wasn't like it was a big deal because you harvested the deer. It was just like, Oh yeah. Okay. So I, I got out of it, got into sports, um, and things. And then, uh, kind of circled back around to, to it because I'd shooting my bow so much. And I said that, I said, you know, if I'm able to shoot something with a bow, that's what I want to do. And, uh, I, I did. It's just the excitement level of harvesting something with a bow is just a whole nother level to me. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of where it's at. Uh, you know, I do it out of, that's what makes you, I mean, that's what makes me tick, I guess you'd say. Um, but I will say this, you know, I, seven days later, I did kill a buck for my first buck with a bow, but, uh, there was a hunt in between there where I hunted and shot at a four pointer until I didn't have any more arrows. I got down and got my arrows and got back in the tree. And, um, you know, I had a big deer actually come out. Um, that uh, It just got too dark, and he, he, he never got to me in time. Um, but, um, mm. you know, so there were some other failures with hunting, and you always learn something every time you go, or it seems like I do. So uh, that's, you know that's kind of one of the things that was kind of one of the first times I was by myself, you know, I got, dad took me to a tree, but, but I wasn't with anybody in the tree. So, um, that, that, that probably made some of the difference as well. Um, kind of, kind of got to do some of it on my own. You bring up a a really good point. Um, the, the whole, we remember the good stories, right? And then we kind of sometimes forcefully forget (laughs) the stuff in between. You know, I I think about even like turkey hunting, you know, we always talk about this one field where we've killed seven birds and we think about all the times we've sat there and killed turkeys. But I also think about the times that we didn't kill turkeys there. And I, I actually think that that probably outweighs the amount of times that we did. You know, there's so many times we've sat there and didn't hear, or they didn't come to us. And, but you remember those good moments where it panned out and that's, uh, you know, sometimes you kind of forget about the bad stuff in between. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe not bad like, stuff, just challenging stuff. Right. And it seems like it's when you learn it's when yeah. that, those are the hunts you actually learn on. And the yeah. other ones are just kind of your rewards for, for, you know, putting up with all the other ones, I guess you would say. Yeah. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that's, that's probably, that's, that's basically how I got started and like I said, the same thing, uh, when I was around, uh, 15, 16 years old, um, I won, oh, it's, I think that's about the age I was, 
a one the Kentucky used to have a thing called the Kentucky State Bluegrass Games. Yeah, it was. Uh, I don't know if they still do that or not. I have been hadn't been around it in a long time, but um, they had archery as an event, and I signed up and got put in it. And I thought that was the biggest thing that you could do at the time with archery. Um, and I won two gold medals. I won one for like a field, uh, what they called a V round, which was out to 70 yards. Mm. And then I won the 3Ds tournament as well, of course, in my age bracket. Um, and uh, I kind of went to that. And then after I circled out of that, uh, everybody started talking about IBO tournaments and mm-hmm. uh, which is, uh, and then ASA tournaments. And uh, the ASA uh, Archer Shooters Association. We went to my first one, and I've been hooked ever since. Uh, yeah. So some of the same adrenaline that I get uh, deer hunting and and hunting with a bow, I get it quite often with a tournament too. So uh, I have I have a dual passion, I guess you would say. Um, I'm I'm busy all the time with part of my passion. How about that? So, yeah. Yeah, that's all, that's good. I, I think uh, something I want to cover with you real quick, because I don't think I've ever talked about it on the show. And I, I know a little bit and I can't keep straight. But for guys wanting to get into 3D, first off, what is the difference uh, for, between the ASA and the IBO? I know um, the tendering and the upper and the lower and those kind of things. Can you kind of bring us through some of that, Justin? Sure. sure. So um, the IBO was started first um, in it had a series of events and they they have obviously a bunch of different things but the way they was structured was they they considered they did it what they call a triple crown so there's there's three there's a bunch of IBO shoots but then there's mm-hmm. three like major tournaments and then of course there's also the winter nationals and then there's you know there's there's a summer national so there's there's about four total tournaments four to five total tournaments and and it's been changed a little bit every year um, because it's kind of like they're kind of competing against ASA in a, in a way but now they've, they've tried to work together where their schedules don't conflict and it makes a full oh, season uh, so it's it's kind of a great organization uh, on both on both ends um, IBO you have to be a, a member but they're also synced in with a lot of your indoor nationals. Uh, mm-hmm. Louisville has hosted some of the indoor nationals for the past several years, which I think with the COVID this, this past time, they've had to change some things, of course. But um, I know that uh, IBO is, is mainly the majority of those tournaments are typically in the north. Uh, there's, there's several in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. um, Indiana, there might be one in Ohio. I'm not real sure on that. Don't don't quote me on that. Uh, no. But there, there, that's kind of the region that it is. Um, in Kentucky, we've always been kind of in the middle. So, so we've always had some kind of close enough to drive to, and then some that was a little bit farther. And ASA come out, uh, and they started providing. Uh, insurance to clubs which um i think ibo had done some of that but uh asa basically started selling insurance for archery clubs Mm. and um so if you was a member of them then they started having their national tournaments um they got quite a few celebrities in on it team realtree was one of their big things because um they are kind of based out of uh, Georgia is one of their is basically their headquarters, um, which is down around I think some of the real tree uh, headquarters as well. So um, that's kind of kind of how it got started, um, yeah. and then it kind of went up from there. And I mean, it just basically uh, exploded and continued. And there's uh, typically six national tournaments a year. Um, they start in uh, usually end of January, first of February. Basically, think around Super Bowl weekend. It's about a weekend after that, um, and they have been 
several in Alabama. There's usually in Georgia. There's usually a few. There's some. Um, they used to have one in Tennessee a long time ago. Now they have it in London, Kentucky. Um, the Metropolis, Illinois is probably one of their biggest tournaments that they do, which usually ends up right in the end of June, around close to July 4th. Yeah. Um, they have uh, one in Paris, Texas, uh, which seem like they're growing every year. We seem to be getting somewhere between – I'm wanting to say low end 1500 and then the high end, probably 2100 shooters. That's, that's great. Shooters. That's not counting vendors and people and families. And it's like you said, with the families, it's really increased. And um, now you're getting, um, th- when you go up to the shoot, you know, family will pile out of the truck and everybody's got a boat. <laughs> And it's like, you know, mom, dad, sister, you know, yeah. brothers, all of them has got a bow. And it's it's really unique because they have really uh, – they structure everybody's shoots around around the family. Um, yeah. You know, they'll have the kids shooting at a certain time where if the adults want to shoot, but they still want to watch their kids, so they have that ability. Um, yeah. That's cool. So it's really cool. And, and of course, the pros are, and of course, this year, the first year we've had it, uh, we, it's not strange to me because I've been around it, but um, they have a, a what they call when the pros shoot, they have a pro shoot down. Well, now on Sportsman's Channel and Outdoor Channel, um, and then obviously Cam Media on uh, Facebook and things, they all televise the shoot offs now. Mm, and so cool. Now the, the country is actually getting to see the the final five targets of the tournament for those pros. And, and um, that that's really a good way of getting knowledge. But if you're really wanting to look to shoot, I, my recommendation is don't worry about professional archery. <laughs> uh, yeah. Getting get into it for the fun. Uh, shoot as a family in the backyard. Um, you know, there's a lot of local tournaments out there. Uh, Facebook seems to be one of the best ways to find it now. Um, yeah. That, uh, but pretty well about any archery shop will typically know uh, where mm-hmm. some of the local clubs are, and you kind of start from there. Um, like I said, majority of your local clubs don't go and shoot uh, national tournaments. Um, yeah, I, and I say that because I've been a member of. Um, Oh, uh, Blackhawk Archery, which is actually in Indiana, and they probably got, you know, a hundred and some members, but there's probably only 20 that goes to the national tournaments. Yeah. So, yep. you, you know, it's not like that's what everybody does. Yeah, and same more in my, my local bow shop. You know, um, they have shoots there, and, and they uh, the reason I ask about the IBOASA is there's different forms of scoring. It's it's very similar, but there's different different ways that that works. And so sometimes they'll have like a money shoot on like a Friday night, and they'll say it's ASA scoring. So you got to remember, you know, what you're shooting at and the the rules. And it's nothing. And it's I think for anybody getting into it, it's nothing. It doesn't have to be super intimidating. Um, you can sometimes just start off going to a shoot that's really non-competitive at all um i've gone to uh the r100s you ever done one of those before yes sir those are uh, shoots you get to shoot a bunch of different uh uh, creatures and uh, dinosaurs and giraffes uh, pretty neat those those are really good shoots and um you know they they try to spread those around every year to to make it where somebody can make it to them Um, yeah and, and they're very nice. I know that, um, uh, like I said, I try to shoot the most local one that I can get every year it comes. I think it skips a year. Um, so it's like, I think it might be here this year in Calhoun, uh, which is not too far from here. And uh, so I'll go and I'll shoot it and, um, when it's there because it's just a unique kind of shoot and, and we just go and we have fun. And, and that's yeah. really where it starts. Um, I mean, the competitive part, I mean, that's just anybody. So there's a lot of people with competitive nature. Um, 
you run into a lot of people who might have played sports in high school and they still have that competitive mm-hmm. edge. <laughs> but, uh, you know, being that you, you know, most people have a family and they work for a living and, and things. So it kind of allows you to get a little bit competitive edge, just, you know, maybe for local bragging rights, if anything. But, um, you know, I've shot with shooters at a national event now that has just picked up their bow that week. Yeah. Or they just got into it because they rode with a friend because they said, well, I would never do that because all I do is hunt. And then they get to the national tournament and, and with a friend that, that took them and, and all of a sudden they're like, well, I think I can do this. You know, there's a class for me. You know, I can shoot with regular Joes that, that I'm normally, you, you know, I just pick up a bow and go deer hunting, you know, yeah. and, and they have a class for that. So, yeah. Uh, that's probably the most exciting thing about it is, is to, no matter what level you want to get in, you can, uh, and yeah. you got to talk about hunting when it comes to this. If you have your skills sharpened throughout the year, it is, you're just so much ahead when it comes to when you get to the woods. Um, yeah. it just makes you so much sharper. You're more confident. Uh, it's not strange to you. Uh, it, everything's almost just like a memory. Uh, yeah, so- I, I know guys that will, you know, they'll go out and they'll shoot a target maybe five to ten times before season, the week before, and then go and hunt. And, and then, you know, and a mistake I've made, I can say that, but the mistake I've made is I've stopped practicing during season. So I'll, you know, go from hunt to hunt to hunt and I'll never take a practice shot. And I think there's just something, if you can shoot all summer long and kind of keep that muscle memory going and you know, I just think in the heat of the moment, there's so many things going on. I think there's probably going to be less deer injured if there's more more shooting and practice happening, you know, in between. Yes. I, and plus, you know, how many times have you been in the woods? You've got, and most people now, carry a some form of rangefinder, um, which, you know, it's grateful that we have instruments to, to use. Uh, and you just, you, a deer walks up on you fast or something, you know, you have to use some basic skills and, you know, yeah. even if you, you, you shoot known classes, which they have a lot of now in archery, uh, you know, when you're, when you're shooting known, if you've been looking at a target all summer long, that's anywhere from 35 to 40 yards. Well, even if you don't notice that you're paying attention, you kind of know about how far that deer is. Yeah. Uh, without having to use it um so it definitely uh it helps on a lot of aspects uh you know yeah making more ethical shots and everything so um cool you know well i want to get into that a little bit with you you know in our remaining time here so justin you've you shot the 3d so what about the real thing let's get into some of your stories there about um you know how how this has played out for you whenever you've been in the the honey was now i would kind of like to wrap up I, I know that you also we're coming out of turkey season so maybe we can save a little bit of room there for some turkeys but how's your bow hunting and that you know the 3d you know tell us some of those stories where it's, it's worked out in the woods for you too uh well i i guess one of the first hunts I, that i go to is um you know kind of we want to talk about, you know, what's useful in the tournament, you know, how I can transition from tournament tournament to, to hunting is, uh, had a deer that, uh, we was hunting. Uh, when I say we, I have, a, I have several good buddies that we, we try to attempt to hunt together. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I've been blessed to, we, we've always owned, my grandfather owned about 1200 and some acres mm. uh, here locally. My dad has, you know, since he passed, my dad has got about 600 acres of that. So, um, you know, I'm blessed to have that. Plus, I have various other places that I can hunt. Um, so you got to have the deer to hunt in order to harvest the deer. And that's yep. basically the, the, the concept. You know, if the biggest deer in your woods is 135 inches, well, then that's, that's basically the biggest deer in your woods. Uh, right. You know, uh, so I've been picky, uh, not because, you know, you watch shows and and you see things, but um, I've been hunting since I was, you know, I've been shooting deer with a bow since I was 13. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
I've I've shot little deer through my career and I've shot some good deer in my career and um it's basically if I get excited that's kind of the deer of choice yeah yeah Uh, and now that I've gotten older and I have kids and things of that nature I kind of try to pick out a certain deer because it kind of gives you a goal um and and being able to hunt a deer makes to me a specific deer it, it helps so uh, I had a deer a few years ago, I guess it was 2018, maybe. I think that might have been right. I had to look. But um, he is a 16-pointer, um, not nothing to be ashamed about by no means. He's an older deer, very hard to hunt. Uh, I could see him a lot, but it was very hard to actually get pinned down. Um, we was building a house at the same time, so kind of had less time to mess with him but i, I kind of got him pinned down and was talking about the bad part of the story uh november the 9th i recall i think it was the day before gun season uh hunted that morning and um he come right down on a string just like he's supposed to and um in a blind first time i've really been hunting in a blind a bunch um and um, make a shot and I've got it on video and I'm kind of like the video a lot and um, I had it on video and I shot went to go to shoot and he was not stopping so I stopped him well then I got off my marking spot and I just made a horrible shot I hit him in the neck Um, he bled really well Uh, to be honest I thought that he might die um and I didn't hunt the next couple of days. I let it go because he was in a good area that if he did pass, then I could recover him. Well, I went back the next day to look, um, found, like I said, still found blood, things of that nature. Didn't think nothing about it. Well, I pulled the camera on the card. Well, the deer never stopped running does. He continued. He had a, a hole in his neck. Uh <laughs> I shot a fixed blade broadhead, so it was a pass-through. Um, he just never stopped, and it, it he acted like it never phased him. Of course, when a deer is in rut, they, they can go through so much uh, yeah. and endure so much. So um, kind of continued on hunting him in the same area, same exact blind, um, something that typically don't work. Typically, when you shoot one out of a blind, they don't typically come back. Uh, he's He just kept coming. So... I kept hunting and uh, I kind of made some switches on some things and um, I had him come in again and I didn't turn the camera on this time because he was coming right where I wanted him. And I thought, well, I messed up last time by wasting some time turning it on. So I thought, well, I'm just, I'm going to harvest this deer. This is the deer I want. I'm going to harvest this deer. He walks down 26 yards broadside and I shoot and I hit him in the shoulder and mm. I had a faulty, I'm going to say a faulty broadhead. They've since then changed the design of the broadhead, so they might have had an issue. But it actually crinkled like a Coke can, and the arrow bounced off of the shoulder. First time I've ever had it happen. I've shot a lot of deer in my life, but I've never had one that not stick in the deer. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it. I think it cracked it, to be honest. I think it cracked the shoulder. He kind of slowed down. Then I was trying to be the most ethical hunter I could be. I was trying to hunt every day that I could on him because he started to go downhill. I watched him on camera. He was also coming off of rut that he run does, I think, somewhere between probably October the 20th all the way into December. He was still running them. Um, and because uh, I think the second time I shot him was in De- was December the fifth if i'm not mistaken um and i kind of it's kind of weird you know those exact dates but when something goes wrong you kind of know uh and then we uh kind of had a little touch and go there he was in more nocturnal uh he kind of went back to nocturnal he went back to a feeding pattern uh he was still coming there but he wasn't coming when i needed him to um and i every time it seemed like i didn't get to go that's when he was there uh, I think that's everybody that hunts. And then <laughs> um, 
I am notorious for hunting late season and getting it done um, the last week of season. Um, I, I guess they get back to that pattern that I really enjoy. They're more aware and they're really hard to kill at that time of the year, but um, definitely something that uh, I've been successful at. And the day before the last day, uh, it come a snow, uh, which was wonderful because um, when it come a snow, they typically was always there. And I went early and my feet was froze to the platform and it was cold. And he come in there and I made another bad shot. <laughs> oh, my uh, goodness. But uh, it was a vital enough shot that it, um with a little time uh, that afternoon, we give him about a couple hours um, that we kind of eased up on him and, and uh, he had expired. So it yeah. worked out, um, but it was kind of one of those things where it took a lot of work. That's probably the yeah. most work I've had to do uh, for deer. But, you know, that deer was probably about a seven-year-old deer. Um, mm. We'd been watching him around the farm. He kind of disappeared for two or three years and then come back. Um, and his home range was so small. Um, I mean, he basically, I had probably 20 cameras out in a circle um, around that area. And I basically got him on two cameras from September to January when I killed him. Wow. And uh, the crazy thing about it is, I never moved the blind out of the, off the platform. I had it on a platform. I uh, never moved it. Uh, and from the first shot that I shot him, the second shot that I shot him, and even the third that I shot him was within a 10-yard circle. <laughs> so, that was his home. He wasn't leaving there I mean, for nothing. No, no. So that's probably one of those ones where, you know, as much 3D and archery as I shoot, you know, that kind of tells you that you can shoot and some of these guys can shoot and be awesome. And, and when you go into the real thing, it's a whole different world, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, but, uh, you know, that's kind of um, one of those hunts that was, and I say hunts is one of those seasons that was just um, demanding, I guess you would say. Mm -hmm. But it was the reward was so great, you know, mm. um, you know, to say that I stayed after it and, and, and harvested him. And, and, of course, you know, the, the first shot that I shot him in the neck, you know, he didn't hardly even have a scar. Wow. Um, it's amazing. It done healed up. Um, and it's just if he hadn't have gotten down after a rut, which most deer do at that age, especially, um, you know, I don't know if I'd ever really um, – got him uh, yeah you know it, it's kind of one of those things where i'm glad his home range was small yeah uh, but uh you know it's so just that, one of those things that kind of goes back to i mean you see that deer uh, did you get him mounted i did not okay. uh and and that's unusual but i think i've got 15 deer mounted yeah i've got probably four of my last kills probably probably my last four kills should have all probably been mounted. Um, mm. And I'd like to at some point. I probably will at some point. Uh, I definitely um, have them where, you know, they're displayed. Um, you know, just like I said, uh, in 18, I was building a house. So uh, last year, I actually built a, built a hunting room in a garage. So uh, I've got a place now to display things and I'm definitely going to try to do that. I always thought one of the best things you can do if you're going to harvest the deer uh, is the honoring by getting mounted, and that used to be the rule. Um, yeah. If you, if I let a friend hunt, the rule was, don't shoot nothing that you're not going to mount. Um, <laughs> everything else, I mean, it's wide open. I'm not going to tell somebody what's big or not because uh, everybody's size limit is different sizes. So yeah, uh, and things. I said, but if you're willing to wait, you know, and that you know if i send somebody to a hunting spot i expect them that they're going to shoot it something i mean i don't say hey you don't need to shoot this deer if that's the case i just won't let them go yeah <laughs> um, i was just thinking about you know you whether or not you see the deer or not you just think back on that hunt and you know what it takes you know you know the moments 
you know, and I think uh, sometimes in life, it's the same way. We think about just the good moments that we have. And like we said, sometimes it's just easy to, we don't always remember some of those moments in between, but whenever you stop and think, you're like, oh yeah, there was a lot of stuff that went into that. Like it ended successfully, but there was some challenges that, that went before it. That's for sure. Right. That, that is very mm-hmm. true. Very mm-hmm. true. And, and, and that's, that's basically how life is anyway. You know, there's, yeah. there's, there's always reward, but you know, there's, it takes a lot to get to there. You know, it's not yeah. constant. Uh, you're, you're not, you're not constantly going out there and harvesting a deer. You're not constantly having a good day at work. Uh, it's just, you understand that you got to put a little effort in and, and usually it pays off. The work pays off. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm reminded of the red fern grows. You ever watch that, that show, I read did. a book or watch yep. a movie. I just think about yep. The boy wants the dogs, and he said he'd been praying for those dogs, but nothing's working out. And I remember Grandpa telling the boy, you know, God's going to meet you halfway. You've got to do your part and put in your effort and put in your work. And uh, that just uh, that always stuck with me, that part of that movie where so he works hard, and then he's able to get what, little Ann, little Dan, or I forget what they're called, but able to get two coon dogs. Kind of neat. Yeah, and, and, you know, you bring up a good part, you know. Um, obviously we talked about hunting different things like that, but you know, your, you know, faith has a lot to do with it and kind of, you know, if, if you're not always in tune, um, kind of my faith place is always been the woods. Um, yeah. it's kind of where I feel the closest to God in my mm-hmm. opinion. That's just me. Uh, that's probably where we have probably our, our longest and most in depth conversations. Um, yeah. So to me, hunting is not the kill or the trophy or any of that. It's it's that moment of just the peace, the what nature is. Um, I mean, it could be uh, a hunt does not have to be a harvest to be successful. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, if I can go to the woods and I can be in that area of uh, God's great creatures and get close to them and they don't know where I'm at or, you know, just kind of be in sync with them. To me, that's as good as it gets. Uh, and my wife kind of gets to me cause she don't do the hunting thing and, and things. And I think there's a lot of wives out there. Of course, there's a lot that, that, that hunt as well, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I, I guess it's a different to me cause I'll go and I'll video deer and she'd be like, well, why'd you let it go? <laughs> I'm like, well, that's just not the one that I want to, I mean, that's not what I was, I said, he's just so pretty. I didn't want to shoot him. Yeah. And uh, she's like, I don't understand. She's like, it's bigger than the ones that they shoot on TV. And I'm like, well, that's, I don't mean anything. They're putting on a show. They, they have to kind of put footage down. I said, I'm just enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but definitely uh, faith plays a big part in it. And, you know, if, if you have a lot of faith in trying to go hunting and you're pushing and things like that, well, you know, God give us those creatures to be able to have that. And, you know, that's a good yeah. example to kind of relate back and say, I got faith in this. You know, this might be something in me to, and, you know, have a little bit more faith in other things, a little bit more time, yeah. and patience with other things. Uh, it definitely teaches you that. Uh, and, yeah. I have to definitely agree with you on that. Um, yeah. That was a good example there. Hmm. Well, I, I know that you've got to get uh, on the road here in about four minutes. So can I throw you? Can I throw you a pitch and see if you want to even take a swing at it? You can. You can. I, I've got plenty of time. I'm good. All right. All right. I, I was going to see if you would if you would be able to throw in one uh, turkey story for us. You know, we're wrapping up turkey season. Do you think you could tell a turkey story in about four minutes? <laughs> Yeah, I can. I'll, I'll tell you a fast turkey story. All right, give us a quick uh, one. Probably one of my most enjoyable hunts that I've ever had um, is I have a best friend, John Montgomery, and uh, he has always hunted with me, deer hunted with me quite a bit. Uh, I've always got him, try to put him in the best spots to try to make it successful, and it just mm-hmm. seems not to always happen very often. And I remember – talking him into going turkey hunting he'd never been before in his life didn't know nothing about it i was not the best turkey hunter in the world but i was had been i had been successful anyway yeah Um, so i drag him out and of course 
his mother was always against turkey hunting because we'd had a few people get shot through mm. the years uh you know just not necessarily us and of course i always pack a, a bow with me most of the time and so he took the shotgun and we set up and i get on a spot and and we get there and you know he gobbles off the roost and um you know that's the first time john really ever experienced it you know mm-hmm. and of course we always have long conversations when we're in in the blind deer blind wherever it is we don't really not talk we we kind of <laughs> we kind of kind of mess up you don't if you want somebody to be quiet don't go with us because it's not gonna happen. <laughs> um but uh you know we're quiet when we need to be and uh turkey flew down and stayed out in the field and lo and behold you know we kind of stayed at it and uh, called just a little bit here and there and the turkey walks right up there and he shoots it and he has been hooked on turkeys I mean, he's basically a turkey nut. So my thing mm-hmm. that makes me tick is I like my archery and I like uh, hunting my deer. And so basically we compare it like this. I'm the one that's always after the deer and, you know, the, a specific deer hunting one hard and really put the time in it. And he's always after turkeys. So <laughs> uh, it works out really good because we're not currently competing, you know. Yeah. Um, but we've had many turkey stories since. That's probably one of the greatest things is uh, being able to come together, friends, and just having that that time. Um, you know, I know that uh, I'm going to relate it to this. If you're having a hard time, sometimes you need that person to talk to. And if you have that person to go and spend some time with, it really can get some things out of you that you need to get off your chest. And that's probably sometimes probably about 70% of our hunts results in just a long conversation. (laughs) Um, You know, it's, it's not always about the hunt as much as it's just about the other person. So, so that's probably one of the quick, fast Turkey hunts. It's just getting new people into it. Um, I love it. Yeah. That, that seems to be what I, I strive to do now. Yeah. Um, I, I've, like I said, I've harvested some really good deer and I'd love to have some more time and tell you about some good ones. Uh, you know, yeah, we'll do it again. I'll tell you what, I, I'd love to have you back on sometime if you're, we'll, we'll set it up. All right. Okay. That sounds good. So, sounds good. Well, Justin, I really appreciate your time. I know you got to get rolling here, but uh, excited to hear your story there. That was awesome. And uh, thanks for kind of enlightening us a little bit on the, the um, you know, 3D shooting. If guys want to get into that, I strongly encourage you. It's the time of year to be looking for those tournaments and things to get involved in. And I, uh, I'll be contacting here before too long. We'll have you. And I'd love to have you and John at the same time. I think that'd be kind of a fun one to have here in the future. Does that sound good to you? That sounds great. Sounds great. I uh, man. Well, thank you for your time today. I appreciate it. All right. We'll see. Enjoy that conversation. Uh, Justin had some good stories there. I'd like to have him back on uh, when we have a little bit more time and appreciate him kind of squeezing that one in and I wanted to get this episode out there. But I'll tell you what, I could not agree more with him whenever he talked about how we sometimes look at life with rose-colored glasses and we remember these good highlight moments but we forget about the times whenever uh, it doesn't pan out. That definitely happens in hunting. Like, today is a day that I really, I tell you what, I'll probably forget today because we didn't kill anything. Um, It was some hard hunting. We had birds all around us. We wore ourselves out going up over ridge tops trying to get in close. And I might remember parts of it uh, if I think about it, but most likely this season I'm going to remember the time that I got my bird with Trav. I'm going to remember my time calling in a bird for Riley and the time that I helped John get one. Those are going to be the things that probably stick out in my mind the most uh, whenever I think back on this season. And, And life is the same way. You think about you know, those highlights in your life, the, the moment that maybe you decided to give your life to Jesus. You think about when you were um, uh, married, the days that your kids were born. You think about maybe some of those special family vacations that you went on. And we, we kind of forget the everyday stuff in between and the struggles that go in between. And I, I think we need to sometimes remember that, that um, we, we forget that, you know what, uh, there are some challenges that we go through and life's not always good. And, and I think about the Israelites. The Israelites are out in Exodus chapter 16. I'm not going to give you a bunch today, but just the short end of it is they start complaining to Moses. They're scared. They don't know what's next. And they start looking back at Egypt with like rose-colored glasses. They start talking about, man, we had it made when we were in Egypt. 
they were slaves in Egypt. They were beaten with rods, and they had to make bricks for the pyramids. Uh, and they had to do it with limited resources. It was absolutely awful, and the Israelites forgot about it. They looked back, and they just remembered maybe some of the good times that they had, and they remember some of the things that were going on, but they definitely weren't looking at the full picture. And they definitely weren't looking ahead at where God was going to take them to, that next mountaintop experience at Mount Sinai and the, the Ten Commandments. They weren't, they weren't quite grasping that. And I think we have the same problem. Sometimes we... We look at these moments in life and we forget about some of the struggles that we've gone through. We forget about how God has brought us through and how he's going to continue to bring us through if we are faithful to him. So I just encourage you guys today to look back and kind of try to remember some of those struggles that you went through and how it was God that got you through it. It wasn't your muscle and determination. It was definitely the Lord giving you strength, energy, and setting things right so that you could get through those moments so he could bring you to the next mountaintop. I don't know if you're in a mountaintop or valley today. I hope either way that you will give God glory and that you'll shed the light, that you will let your light shine. And um, thank you guys so much for coming back for another episode. If you don't understand any of that kind of stuff, the, the religious stuff that I throw in there, there's a couple bonus episodes, um, just about maybe 20 episodes back. Just look for bonus episode one or two. You can take your pick on the short or long version. Strongly encourage you guys to check out those bonus episodes if, if you want to know a little bit more about what is the purpose of life and, and all this stuff that I'm rambling on about. Guys, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for your reviews, your emails, some of you checking in on me, making sure that I wasn't dead or something, um, <laughs> and really greatly appreciate that. Um, and I, I just want to dedicate this um, this podcast in particular to a man who was uh, just a truly great man, and that is Glenn Ziegler. That's my wife's grandfather. Glenn, um, he definitely lived in a way that his whole family, not a, every single one of them, every single child and grandchild is a follower of Jesus. And that is absolutely remarkable, uh, given how big the family is. He, he just is leaving a truly remarkable legacy. Makes me want to be a better man. Uh, he had a gentle spirit. He was always just out working on the farm. He lived on that farm his entire life and uh, 86 years old. So, Glenn, I uh, know you weren't super into hunting a whole lot, but I just want to say this one's for you. Thank you for your family. Thank you for your granddaughter and uh, just the great uh, family that, that you're leaving behind. Guys, thank you for listening. Hope that you have a wonderful week. And until next time, remember to shed the light.